Welcome to this month's episode of the BookNet Canada podcast. I'm your host, Ainsley Sparks, the Marketing and Communications Manager at BookNet. In last month's podcast episode, we shared with you highlights of many of the Tech Forum 2021 sessions. We wanted to do a whole episode devoted to this particular session, though, for an object in the House of Canadian Literature. It was one of our sessions with the most engaged audience. The idea for this panel was inspired by an essay from Anahid Dashkart, a renowned author, changemaker, and co-founder of Anima Leadership, a boutique consulting company specializing in issues of diversity, inclusion, and anti-racism. This essay, also called For an Object in the House of Canadian Literature, was about her experience as an author of color and her reception in Canadian publishing. If you haven't read it already, we've put the link in the show notes and we highly recommend reading it. Anahid was joined in this panel by Shalene Knight, an author, literary agent, and CEO of her own literary studio, Breathing Space Creative, and Leonie Cavalsius, a literary agent at Transatlantic Agency, the founder of Diverse Can Lit, and the former chair of the Festival of Literary Diversity. The conversation that ensued was an important, nuanced, and solution-based look at how the publishing industry cares for authors who share difficult truths in their work. They touched on how to create space and safety for people, especially writers, who for a variety of reasons have not been welcome in Canadian publishing. People who, as Dashgard writes in her essay, are wooed for the color they represent, but who don't yet belong. Is Anahid, I'd like to start with you. Um, in the time since that book tour, the one you wrote about in your piece that left such a sour taste in your mouth, uh, what has your experience been as a racialized author? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I, um, you know, I, I come into this conversation wearing a couple of hats. One is as the experience of author, which I wrote about in the article. And the other is having the, um, the honor of getting to work in different sectors, doing diversity and inclusion work. And my, my sense is from that latter perspective that um, I think the publishing industry is a couple steps behind where a lot of other industries are at in tackling issues of equity and inclusion, particularly around ra- racial diversity. Um, I think the bench, you know, the, the, the motivation has certainly increased because of anti-Black um, racism and the, the protests and, and all of that, like for many, many sectors and industries. Um, but to answer your question, I guess, you know, it feels important for me to just... Um, say that the the discrimination and even the the manifestation of racism within publishing i don't think is is the overt form and that's really important to name in other words it's good people well-intentioned people unconsciously perpetuating what they see and know what's familiar and marginalizing um or or the unfamiliar or what is unknown and so just the starting point for me in this conversation is and i you know all of what i described in, in the article is 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 unintentional and more impactful in a way because when it's unintentional it can be invisible and it can be hard to talk about or or pinpoint and i think what happened what happened for myself and i think happens for a lot of um other bipoc authors is that it's not just one moment in time it's an accumulation of small moments where you are you receive a message um, through or a signal in relationship with others in the, in the in the industry at writers festivals on panels in media interviews that um, that uh, um, you're you're underestimated or you're not 
treated the same way as your white counterparts, or, um, you know, you have to work harder to garner the same respect, all these small um, things that are, again, hard to sort of talk about. And so I'll finish my, my opening thing here with, a, with one of those micro moments that happened for me during my book tour, which I refer to in the, in the article. And this was, um, I had at this point traveled to a number of cities and there had been a, a few different things that had happened. And I returned to Toronto um, and I was invited last minute to go to this um, glitzy writers event um, downtown. And I, you know, threw on a dress, glammed up, got my hair done, um, shot downtown. And um, uh, well, for those in the in industry, it probably won't be that hard to identify, but um, um, the authors were placed at tables with a number of, of donors. I was placed at a table with um, where the donors were all um, happened to be all um, white, white folks. And I had, because at that point, I was pretty burnt out the travel. And of course, and this is an important thing to note for many authors that are traveling, um, it's very hard to make an income just on writing. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think the people that are able to do that, it's are few and far between. And so for myself, I actually took chunks of time off my day job where I was not receiving any income to be able to travel on behalf of my book. And I made a conscious choice to do that because I wanted to use it as an opportunity to talk about race and trauma and inclusion. And so, um, so I was happy to do that, but it was a lot of effort. And so I went to this event and I had said to the organizer ahead of time, hey, I'm pretty tired. Um, I just want to, you know, am I going to be what supports will be in place? I, I don't want to kind of have to be facilitating conversations with people that are unfamiliar with any of the ideas or concepts talked about in my book. And this person assured me, don't worry, you'll be at the table with the president and other folks and you'll be supported and they're, they're thrilled to have you and it'll be. And what I found was um, uh, uh, I was, you know, I'll just cut to the, the chase. I actually didn't know who the, um, who the head of the organization was until three quarters of the way through the evening when they were announced by someone on stage and at this point stood up and waved and, uh, and then sat back down. And I felt that moment viscerally because I thought if this was a, a generation ago, and I think this is a, an easy comparison, in a predominantly male dominant publishing industry, and I was a sole female at the table, and to sort of be given assurance that, no, 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 you know, that the male president is looking forward to having you and, you know, you're representing an important um, uh, issue area and identity. And of course, you're going to be, I mean, it's, it's flabbergasting that this, this male president would at no point in time even acknowledge the, the sole female at the table. That's how that moment registered for me. It was, A, you're in a position of power. B, um, my role here as the, is, is the sole author, and additionally, I'm a BIPOC author, and not once have you paused to introduce yourself, to say hello, or to position me or my book in this table of folks that are invited. And I felt like I just wanted to melt under the table. I felt so completely, as I've just uh, said, um, underestimated, Mm -hmm. um, disrespected and completely, and just knowing that if I was a big, important white name, that would never have happened. And, and again, that wasn't the only moment. Um, and 
Yeah, I'll yeah. just leave it at that as a micro moment that happened. I, I just want to say that's not a micro moment on hate. That is a very um, discouraging, to say the least, and mm. uh, minimizing way to feel at a place that we're supposed to be honored, right? If mm. if this event is similar to events I've been to, they often uh, frame the authors as guests of honor and that the, the, the author at the table is supposed to be, like when those tables are sold to sponsors is you get to sit with such and such author, mm. but you're not treated as that way. You weren't treated as the guest of honor that you are. And I'd like to flip it over to you, Shailene, and to talk a little yes. bit about your experiences as an author and then also your experiences as uh, a publishing professional, but with the idea of, of the role of the author in the process um, and the power an author, a racialized author, specifically minority authors, people who are mm. queer, people who are disabled, people who are from religious minorities, um, how they are, how how they are given agency, or how agency is withheld from them? Because I have thoughts, but I'd want to hear yours first. Yeah, I I think, you know, for me, it really like we have to rewind and we have to go back to this notion of transparency. What assumptions do we make when we're putting these authors into these positions mm -hmm. to then have to be showcased um, and also are expected to perform in a particular way? So I think we have to think about transparency in that we need to first provide these authors um, with an explanation of what's going to unfold or what they think will unfold. Uh, I know if I'm going to be placed in a social situation, something, you know, glitzy and glamorous, fair enough. But if I'm coming from a panel where I've just discussed the innermost traumatic childhood experiences that I document in my book, is there going to be a space in between that panel and then this social environment where I can kind of just one reflect with myself uh, and figure out how that went for me. Can I make a list of the things that I would love to have had during that panel or post panel? Like, I think we need to first offer um, that, that transparency. Here's how this event is going to go. That's an opportunity for the author to kind of step in and say, well, hmm, actually I would need, you know, a half an hour in between these things to be able to do this, right? So there needs to be an entry point into that conversation, I think. And, and it shouldn't be up to the author to have to instigate that, right? So if we're a festival organizer, if we're, you know, planning something and we're going to be putting these authors into these situations, we really have to think about what the, what the variables are, right? And there's never going to be um, one big solution that we can just insert. We really have to treat it as a case-by-case -case, uh, thing, right? So, you know, like um, on a hidden mentioned, what if the author is just, you know, coming off the plane? You know, they've just arrived. Are they going to be thrust into, you know, being put on stage? Is there a moment to eat? Is there a moment to have a glass of water? Like these basic things, right? They're so important, but they build up um, and they matter. Uh, we can rewind even further uh, and think about funding. So how do these festivals get the money 
to put these events on? What information is being offered to the funders? Are we talking about author care at that level at that point? Um, and having been on many a granting jury, uh, these are the conversations that I bring up. And I'm often met with looks of author care. Well, what's that? Like, you know, we don't, we don't want to talk about that. We want to talk about what the event is and who's going to be there. Uh, but if we're, we're going to be funding these events and these festivals and these fantastic conferences that we all love, we have to think about what space is being made for the authors to do the work at their best. Right. So all these little variables, there's just so many things, uh, but it really comes down to transparency and just trying your best, I think, as an organizer to to prepare the author. And I think that can be done on the publishing side as well. Like when we're signing authors, we're bringing them into our publishing home. Uh, what information are we giving them about the life cycle of this book? What's mm -hmm. to be expected once that book is out there in the universe? What's going to happen then? And again, it's all these different variables because there will not be one, a one size fits all uh, solution to offer. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, I can, I have so many experiences that I can bring to the table and having been uh, a festival organizer and being brand new to it, having no template to work from and saying, okay, I'm going to build this thing. I have a lot of help but there are just so many things that we missed. There are so many things that we did wrong. But I think it's that idea of going back to the table, having conversations, discussing all of the things that went wrong um, and trying to come up with new ways to approach it. I think that's where the change starts. It's that idea of acknowledging and then going back and trying to figure out, you know, what can we do to grow as an organization, but also what can we do to make sure uh, these things don't continue to happen. That clip was from the beginning of the panel. The whole conversation was so insightful and important that, as I mentioned, it spurred a lot of discussion from the audience. The number of questions from attendees far exceeded the amount of space that our panelists had time to answer. But luckily for all of us, Leonika was interested in taking some of those surplus questions and answering them on her Instagram account. We'll share one of these right now, but you'll have to follow Leonika on Instagram for the rest. Hi everyone, my name is Leonika Valsius. I recently did a tech forum panel for BookNet Canada, and I'm happy to answer some of the leftover questions from that panel here. If you have more questions that you want to, me to answer via IGTV, please leave them in the comments and I'll answer them when I have time. So this person asked, when it comes to author care, how can we shift the phrase managing expectations into something better? something that doesn't imply the author's expectations are a risk. I totally agree that managing expectations is a loaded phrase. The unspoken assumption is that authors don't know anything about the industry and their desires are unreasonable. Both of those things are resolved by frequent and consistent communication. Instead of managing expectations, I like to discuss the working relationship. I do this throughout my relationship with my clients, but most importantly, before we agree to work together so that everything is clear before a contract is signed. Now, in these types of conversations, there are key things to cover. One, what does success look like? The author and every publishing professional they're working with have to be working towards the same goals or there will automatically be a disconnect in the process. 
if the parties involved can't agree on the goal, they should not be working together. Two, what is each party willing or able to contribute? Now, this is the part of the conversation that usually leads to managing expectations, but it doesn't have to. This is where everyone can share what tools, resources, and capacity they actually have and are willing to leverage. So this is where the marketing team can say, we don't actually have a budget to put up a billboard in Times Square, but we will be running ads in the school library journal, especially if that makes more sense for the book. This is also where the author has room to say, no, I cannot create a TikTok dance challenge, but I can pre-record a three minute video to share with booksellers. In short, this is where the formerly adversarial managing expectations conversation can shift to become a collaborative cataloging of tools, skill sets, and resources. Three, how do we communicate? Now, I think this is the most important part of the project and of the conversation. No team project goes smoothly and goes without any mistakes. So please, and please note, publishing a book is a giant years long team project. So the important aspect of discussing the working relationship is figuring out how to communicate with each other and how to adapt to changes or problems. So this is also a great place to set boundaries and manage expectations. So for example, you could say, I do not conduct business via social media, so please send me an email for work-related matters. This goes for everybody, right? Or express the desired level of communication. Uh, so this is where the author can say, please only send me the positive reviews, the negative ones discourage me. And this is also where agents or uh, publicists or freelancers, or again, anyone the author is um, working with can talk about their decision-making process, even internally. So for example, something like, if we're spending over $200, it has to be approved by X person, right? So these are ways, again, that the team can communicate with each other and set the parameters of how things will go. And all of these conversations need to happen frequently because things change. Pandemics happen. Uh, people have different capacities at different times. So again, it's important to feel like you can adjust and adapt as things change. So the key in all of this is that the author is an equal participant in the process rather than some neophyte who has to be placated or condescended to. With that in mind, it's much easier for publishing professionals to create a collaborative process that doesn't consider the author's expectations a risk to overcome. I hope that helps. Thanks again to Anahit Dashkart, Shaleen Knight, and Leonika Valsius for this fantastic discussion. Please go watch the whole thing on the BookNet Canada YouTube channel. Before we go, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge that BookNet Canada staff, board, partners, and our makeshift podcast studio operate upon the traditional territories of the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation, the Anishinaabe, the Haudenosaunee, Wendat, and Huron Indigenous peoples, the original nations of this land. We endorse the calls to action from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada and support an ongoing shift from gatekeeping to space-making in the book industry. And we hope that our work, including this podcast, helps to create an environment that supports that shift. 
We'd also like to acknowledge the Government of Canada for their financial support through the Canada Book Fund. And of course, thanks to you for listening.